everyone. Hey guys, welcome back to this week's episode of My Therapist Said, our podcast. Thanks for returning. Yeah. Um, first of all, let's make a little update. In the past week, we have created an Instagram account for our podcast. It's Woo! even a business account. Yeah, it's very vicious. serious. Exactly. Um, in last week's episode at the end, we asked you guys for some tips on how to kind of, I guess, reach more people with our podcast or grow. And that was one of the main ones. And since we are really bad at influencing, we had not really taken that into account, but we did and we created an Instagram. So if you're not following my therapist said dot podcast on Instagram <laughs> yet, please go and do it and spread the word. Thank you. And if you see something on the profile, if you think it needs improvement or if you have any tips, please message us. Yeah. So I just wanted to get that little advertisement out of the way in the beginning. And thanks also for the feedback on last week's episode, which was quite good and cool that people listened to it. And we got some questions for this week. And yeah. Yeah, it's always super nice hearing what people think. And even if it's constructive criticism, we really appreciate it. Yeah, we really do. Anywho, I guess we wanted to kind of start with just a life update. Yeah. Because I remember we recorded the first episode about our kind of current situation. Eight weeks ago. What? Yeah, we've been doing this podcast for two months. Oh my god. This is our eighth episode. That's insane. It's crazy. Time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is really cool. And yeah, yeah, I just realized like the first episode that we recorded was kind of about our current situation. Mm -hmm. So I feel like we need to update on that. Yes. So if you haven't listened to episode one, maybe do that first, <laughs> because otherwise maybe this doesn't make sense. That's true. Or if not, we'll give you a tiny recap. We just basically were both so fed up with dating apps. Yeah. And dating in general. Dating in general. Uh, we decided to delete the apps, get offline mm -hmm. and try to do it old school. And now it's two months later and... You just said before that you're really proud of us because I am. we have really been sticking to it. And um, there's no Tinder inside, no Bumble inside, no OkCupid okay inside, no, no. hardship. And the reason I'm proud is because, you know, we could have just deleted Tinder, whatever, OkCupid, okay Bumble, but we still have, I mean, numbers from there and mm. we still know people that we met on there. But we really... I did. But... <laughs> <laughs> I did. But... No, no, no. But you were genuinely interested in him. That's true. It wasn't like a... Because... Oh, fuck, and also, so I knew bored. him. I knew him not from Bumble. I knew him from somewhere else. And I just saw him on Bumble. And that's how we connected. Exactly. Okay. Anyway, so yeah, the current life update is that we're still obviously on no dating apps and we're doing great. We're doing okay. Like, <laughs> okay, whatever. I was about to go for great. We're, I mean, we are great because I think according to the goal that we made, we're doing great. Yeah. Amazing. Um, but I 
think we're just a little bit kind of confused and like stuck in this phase of nothing. Yeah, that's true. But honestly, I'm really enjoying it because I feel like, I don't know how for, for you, but in, in my life, I feel like there's actually quite a bit going on at the moment mm -hmm. and a lot is going to change in my near future with studying and working and there's lots of cool stuff on the horizon and I'm kind of looking forward to that and I'm not like I'm glad that nothing like tinder or something is also occupying my mind even unconsciously or mm -hmm. something true and for me I think my problem was that I was on these apps and I would get so frustrated because I had this romantic hope mm. or maybe not even romantic hope I just had this hope that I would meet someone really cool or exciting or something and I think maybe my expectations were just too high and in that sense I don't think I was made for these apps because I still went on it yeah. hoping or wishing for too much and I think if you would just go in it and you're just cool with whatever whatever is happening then maybe it works for you but whatever we're not on them anymore and I don't miss it do you miss it I do not miss it at all and it's so weird but I think I've gain some kind of it's almost like a narcissism like this this energy that I was putting into dating and putting into other people I think I'm putting it into myself mm. and it's kind of nice and also really funny because somebody asked me the other day um, like what do you want mm -hmm. if you could pick a few things that you want right now what would they be Hmm. And I couldn't think of anything, which is crazy and weird. But I think I'm really, for once, I'm fine with the situation that I'm in. And I'm happy with my life. And I don't feel like so much is missing. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been nice. Mm -hmm. And strange, because I'm actually not used to, like, not chasing anything mm -hmm. or not looking for anything yeah so it's definitely a weird feeling but a really nice one so you wanted to bring up a topic that you've discussed with someone recently which i thought was really interesting um to talk about yeah i was thinking about this all day yesterday and how do you this is gonna sound like a weird phrasing but how do you know if you know someone And I think the phrase knowing someone is so subjective mm -hmm. and so relative. Mm -hmm. And I was really questioning, do I really know people or do people know me? Do they know who I am or do we actually not know each other at all or who does know me? Yeah, it's a really good question. It's quite a deep and philosophical question, I feel like, because like, do we ever know And what does it like, mean? Like, do you know oneself? Yeah, or what does it mean to yeah. say that I know... And is it even a good them? thing? And is it yeah. a good thing? Because for me, um, I'm so I'm so set on my independence. Like, that's always something, like an issue I struggle with, that I'm so... I need to be independent and stuff. And for me, almost... If I were to say, like, this person really knows me, I know it sounds silly, mm -hmm. but I would feel like very dependent because i would be like no but where's my private sphere i don't want them to know me yeah that's true that might sound really weird but i think that's something i could um, identify with um 
but it's definitely something that I feel like kind of hits your inner child mm. because I remember being a kid and having all these secrets mm -hmm. and I was always terrified that I would be somehow like caught or outed mm. and there's something humiliating about it mm -hmm. yeah and what we also discussed which I think um, makes a lot of sense is People where you would consider them to know you the best mm -hmm. are for me also people, and that's not a lot, where I would say in situations they could assume how, how I react or in the sense of how, how I would feel. So yeah. it's more connected to empathy for me, I think. People who can empathize with me and kind of also presume how I would feel in a certain situation... I think are the people that know me best. And I guess that that does come with actually somebody seeing you for a long time because they've seen how you've dealt with things in the past. Yeah. Which is another confusing thing because that would mean that you only know people or really know people if you've known them for a long time, which I don't know if that's true. Mm. I definitely think that the people who know me best are people who have also seen me in various situations where I had to maybe let my guard down or was really angry or really sad, you know, but in situations where you're quite vulnerable mm -hmm. and just really yourself and don't put up any sort of facade or are always in a good mood or something like that. So for me, basically... My, the people who know me the best would definitely be my parents, especially my mom, I think. Because I just know that she, I think, is the person who understands me the most in the ways that I react to certain things. Yeah. That's such an interesting thought because I just remember, I, I would agree with you. I think my mom knows me very well, much better than I would like to think because I I have the same thing where I really really put a lot of pressure on my independence and I don't like it when people kind of enter my world too much um, but it's so funny because I remember especially being a teenager and thinking this person doesn't know me mm. like She has no idea who I am mm -hmm. and she'll never understand me. But I don't think that's true. And I think that's maybe even why you clash. Yeah. Because they know these also really ugly parts of you. Yeah. But yeah, my mom definitely, I think she knows me very well. And a few friends know me well, but I have to say I don't think many Yeah, I agree. And especially people that I only see to have fun mm. with, I think they have no idea who I am. Mm. Like people that you see at parties or yeah, for sure. in groups, I yeah. don't think they know you. Yeah, of course. Would you say that, do you think you know me? <laughs> like to what extent do you think you know me? Because I also wouldn't really be able to answer that question. You know what I mean? 
if you know me. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, kind, of, I'm kind of looking at Lola like, hmm. <laughs> I do think by now, so we've only known each other for like four years. And I would say, for example, that I think I know your behavior quite well by now. Like, I, I often feel like I know what you're going to do or stuff like that. But it would be really presumptuous to be like, I know you. I think I know you better than other people do. Mm. Like, I think the time thing doesn't really matter in this case, especially because of our studies. And also we've seen each other in places like groups where we had to open up and discussing I think therapy is a very detailed and intimate thing so I I think we we do know each other better than yeah a lot of our friends do because it's not something that you discuss so openly with all your friends about what you're speaking about in therapy yeah But you know who knows us better than anyone? Our therapists. (laughs) (laughs) And also, if you're tuning in in this episode, um, just to recap, Lola and I, we have the same therapist, but we don't go to therapy together. We just coincidentally have the same therapist. Hence also why the podcast is called My Therapist Said, because we can both say that. (laughs) But uh, yeah, now that I think about it, I think we do know each other quite well. And I think that does come with having the same therapist. Yeah, and also, as you said, just being in this field of just constantly um, opening yourself up, disclosing stuff, which also comes with the fact that we've seen each other in a lot of situations where we were really emotional. Mm. And this doesn't mean that anything huge had to happen, but how often does it happen that you come out of a therapy session and you're like hysterically crying or you're so angry because you realized something or you remembered something or you're interpreting something. And that's usually cases then where we call each other or text each other or just meet to talk about it. And that just brings a certain closeness with it. Oh my God. Thank God we have like a few people in our university yeah that we like yes because imagine i don't think i would be able to do it completely alone yeah i think that would be terrible but i was even thinking about like self-awareness groups i think we know people in those settings pretty well by seeing how they're reacting to the situation yeah not everyone but i think i've seen or we've seen moments that people have experienced where Mm. we would actually know them better than yeah most people that they know yeah true if you're listening and you have no idea what we're talking about in our university or in our education we have a class at uni which is called self-awareness and basically it's group therapy with your class, which sounds really weird, but it's very, very interesting. And that's what Lola is talking about. And it's true. You do see people in a group setting in a nine hour group therapy in situations where you would never, I could also never with some of my closest friends, I would have no idea how they would act in a group therapy because stuff comes up there just as it does in normal therapy that doesn't come up in like your everyday life. That's so weird to think about. So actually, it doesn't matter how much you like someone or spend time with them. 
It has nothing to do with knowing them no, or not. No, it, it doesn't. It's just which situations you see them in. Yeah. Which makes sense why your family would know you so well because they've seen you in so many different situations. Mm. But if you have your best friend and you like to go swimming together mm. or like you do activities together, it could be that you have no idea who they are. Yeah, true. I, rem I remember a situation where I went through a breakup with an ex-boyfriend mm -hmm. and um, we were we, we were broken up and I had decided to do some things in my life and, and then we kind of met and it was this weird phase where you're breaking up and you are broken up but you're kind of super emotional and like crying and mm -hmm. angry and whatever. There was a scenario where we met and um, it was still really fresh like a few days so it kind of all came up again and i remember very clearly that he was just so confused and he was like why you know do you want to break up and blah 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 and we talked about it and then he was like i know you but carla i know you this is not like you and i was so pissed yeah. at that statement i was like how dare you say that you know me also, I was quite young, so I but was it's like, so I don't intimate. even. And I was also like, I don't even know myself. Like, how do you? Why do you think that you know me? You know what you see, and you know, mm -hmm. like me, the way I was in the last whatever it was, months, years. But you don't yeah. know why I decide to do these things or why I feel this way. I just do. I yeah, something makes sense. Something that also comes to mind is, especially in relationships, they know you in relation to them. Yeah. Which is not you in general yeah. at all. Like, it's completely yes. just in relation to them or yeah. how you behave with them. Yeah. Which also ties back to last week's episode where we were talking about family dynamics and kind of how your family can trigger a certain side of you that maybe hardly anyone else can. Mm -hmm. And also remember a situation like this where I was in a context with my family and my ex-boyfriend. And it was really funny because my family... I do behave differently around yeah. my family than around my friends, for sure. And as we had said last week, I was definitely more, quote-unquote, dramatic mm -hmm. or more easily, I don't know, provoked, I don't know. But I remember my ex-boyfriend being like, why, why are you behaving this, like, weirdly? Really? Like, you're, you're so different. And I was also like, well, that is me as well. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like, I was in a completely different setting. It's not like I'm a completely different person. But no. I was definitely less yeah. calm and more yeah. agitated and irritated. <laughs> Something else that I was thinking about just now, which is so related to knowing someone, and it's something that a professor once told me that really freaked me out because I realized how true it was. And she was telling me that um, when you're in a relationship with a narcissistic man, there's one thought that you have that really pulls you in. And the thought is... Um, nobody knows him like I do mm. and I was just thinking for myself I've had that thought definitely in relationships and I remember somebody that I was with for quite a while 
And everyone fucking hated him. Everyone. Everyone that met him always told me, like, what are you doing with this guy? He's such an asshole. He's so mean. He's whatever. He's not good enough for you. This is ridiculous. And I just always had that thought in my head, which was they don't understand. They don't know him like I do. Yeah. Which is hilarious because I apparently did not know him at all. (laughs) (laughs) Classic. Because there was a huge turn of events. Yeah. And I found out that he was engaged. Not to me. This honestly... Let us know if you want this to be an own podcast episode. Like this is but this a crazy feeling, story. But this feeling yeah. was so strong yeah. and I really felt like yeah. I knew a side of him that he didn't let other people see, which really makes it is like super intimate and also gives you a huge sense of responsibility. Mm-hmm. But it was all false. So, guys, if you think that you're dating someone and you know them better than anybody else, make sure he's not a narcissist. And not engaged. (laughs) And not engaged. Um, And check his apartment. (laughs) (laughs) Don't don't encourage people to, like, go through other people's stuff. He might might sleep in a bunk bed. (laughs) What happened to me? But I can really relate to that. Um, With his brother. (laughs) Okay. And he might have a son. Okay, Lola. (laughs) Okay, moving on. Um, He'll move to a different state. (laughs) Okay. Um, I can really relate to that where I had a situation when I was dating someone. And I remember... Narcissist? Yeah. (laughs) Narcissist. Yeah. Um, And... We were starting to date, and I remember that two people, friends who I knew, who also knew him, Mm -hmm. probably better than me, but I didn't know that well, they came up to me and they were like, hey, we see that you really get along and that you really like each other, but we just want you to know that he has a really bad record with women in the sense of he has been unfaithful, Mm -hmm. he has been also kind of openly saying that he doesn't you know he's not monogamous he doesn't care like he's basically just a fuck boy an asshole yeah. an asshole so they were really nice and they were just like, just be like aware of that but also i was convinced yeah that i know the real him yep and also that was completely my narcissism yeah. where i thought but i bring out the real him because he was different with me. He was. Same, same. Yes, same. Of course, I didn't know that he was acting with me. Same. And not the other way around. And I found also out the hard way. Or you know what? Like, maybe there's a small chance that they were the real them with us. Probably not. But, but even if that's the case, who cares? <laughs> like, I don't know. It, it's... It's shocking to me how important it is to really know the truth about someone or feel like you have the privilege of knowing the real them, even when they just don't deserve to be known at all. But it's such a selling point. Absolutely. And that also just makes me think whether 
I myself have been in a relationship with someone where I really felt like I was being myself because I feel like very often maybe it comes across that we're just pointing the fingers at other people or guys that we've dated when we talk about these things. Um, but I don't exclude myself because also when I think back, I feel like very often I didn't dare or maybe I didn't like the person enough or didn't feel comfortable enough or trusting enough, whatever, that I could really let down my guard. And also I think I did this once in a relationship mm -hmm. with said guy Mm. where I really genuinely felt like I could be myself and it was such a great feeling why also this breakup was the hardest in my life so far which also took me so long to get over because there was a different feeling of my authenticity I guess yeah I don't know I really well definitely with that guy who was engaged and left and changed his identity um, I was also really truly myself yeah and I think finding out that somebody doesn't value the real you is the most hurtful thing you can imagine yeah. and I think it is it, it does affect both of us now and it is a reason why I am quite reluctant to let somebody completely in and it also does make sense then why we have both not to portray us in a bad light but still why he, we have been both in the last year been on tinder and kind of a lot of situations where we knew we could get out of them quite quickly because then this risk of being hurt again in that way is not that strong you know what i mean i feel like i'm not even putting myself in possible situation like that again but now i kind of stopped at all and i'm like okay but i'm not doing this anymore either yeah please don't think that we're completely discriminating all men we will get to a point where we will maybe interview some guys or something friends and get their opinions yeah and i think it says more about us actually than men because we somehow choose <laughs> amazing ones <laughs> I think Lola's one who was uh, engaged is really on top of the list. He is a gem. <laughs> but a, di a rough diamond. But yeah, I definitely think, think it says more about us because I know plenty of people in very happy mm. relationships, but somehow we are struggling with finding normal people. For the questions this week, um, we got a few actually, which is really cool. <laughs> thanks guys thanks for sending them in and first of all we just got the questions about a question about our first tinder dates and thing since we gave you an update about tinder today and not tindering we thought why not talk about it but it's reminisce actually good times reminisce good times but actually it's really funny because i just realized that um in the first episode of the podcast i talked about my memorable tinder date of someone who basically couldn't get it up and then left and was just like um okay see you never of nimmer wiedersehen <laughs> and that was my first tinder date and yet i was on tinder after that for a while that should have been a red flag so we know who's the masochist here <laughs> for some reason I somebody was like, likes torturing herself yeah for some reason i was like okay it happens whatever weird 
Den, but that's also a classic me move. Red flags everywhere. And I'm like, oh, it's fine. Okay. What was your first Tinder date, Lola? So unfortunately, I have repressed mine, which means that I have conveniently forgotten it. Hmm. But I, I really do not know. I have no clue. I wouldn't be able to tell you what my first Tinder date was. But I can tell you my usual Tinder date because they were all pretty similar. Okay. So in the beginning, I made an effort to like meet them somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, it actually like it went through three transitions. The first one was the coffee dates. Yeah. I, I like the coffee When nights. I first started using Tinder, I always went to meet someone for a coffee. And then it's really convenient because if you're having fun, you can go for a drink. Mm -hmm. If you're not having fun, then you have, you have to go somewhere. So that's where I started. Then that got a little bit too annoying because I didn't want to waste my time. <laughs> just went for a drink <laughs> so then i went straight for the drink because yeah because also a lot of them were so bad i was like i even just need a drink to get through this first part like mm. coffee is just not gonna cut it and also it's the like there's the ice is easier broken when exactly. you have a drink it's darker <laughs> okay you don't see them don't so well no you don't have to look as good <laughs> Well, I really it's just think a minimal effort. I really <sighs> think people on Tinder are currently missing out because you're not on there. <laughs> so minimal effort. You don't need to dress up. You can wear something black and you'll fade into the darkness. And you can have a drink, then you can decide, okay, do I want to sleep with this person or not? Then it even passed that stage where I was like, you know what? I am not leaving my house. And this was not very common but if i saw somebody on tinder who i knew i was like okay this dude is attractive either like i saw their instagram or something this dude is definitely attractive i started just doing the home invitations the oh. house visits booty calls yep and they came over we had a beer or something we had sex and then they left and that was my tinder dates hmm. and really like maybe some of them were on one end of the spectrum like worse than usual or better than usual but they were all very similar hmm. I, I can't say that i yeah had such different experiences yeah the thing is i get that and i also get why people on tinder because everyone kind of knows what happens on tinder most of the time mm -hmm. exactly that so that also means that generally people on Tinder don't put that much effort into it, which I completely get. However, I'm still, I'm always like, ah, what happened to like, when someone asks you out to go play mini golf or, or go, I don't know, do something cool. You know what I mean? Why is this not, ha why does this not happen anymore? I totally agree. That's why I'm waiting for my next date. Yeah, It would be so fun if, but also, I mean, again, I could also do the same. <laughs> That's true. Um, I also could say, hey, let's go to a museum rather than, hi, I'm home, come over. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have to wake up early in the morning, so you should go. <laughs> um, 
Where would you take someone on a date? Ooh. Um, if it's like a, a cool date or like a fun date or so something. So, first of all, I I have to say, I do. Uh, what's it called? I am very malleable. I don't know this word. So, I can change quite easily, and I do change a lot according to who it is. You mean you adapt to yes. people? Okay. I thought you meant change clothes or something. It's like, what? I can do quick changes. Right. You're a chameleon. <laughs> a social chameleon. So it would actually depend on the person. But let's say my ideal person. My <laughs> <laughs> Putting it out there in the universe. <laughs> manifesting. So I think my ideal date would be really hard. Um, but if I'm talking, if you were to take someone on a date, yeah, okay. Ooh, ooh, I One. know. Okay, so we. Bratislava. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I would. We would go to a museum, mm-hmm. and then we would go to a pottery class. Really? Yes. <laughs> really. Yeah. A pottery class. Yeah, that sounds lit. Wow. It's just really funny that you specifically choose a pottery class mm-hmm. because I have this really weird phobia of touching clay. Mm-hmm. Touching clay for me, like dry clay, is one of the creepiest and most disgusting feelings ever. And once I went to a pottery class with a friend and I really, I was like, okay, Carla, you're going to face your fears. Oh my God, wait, now it's grossing me out. <laughs> cannot like touch the dry clay oh, the dry one and i really had to like pull my shit together and she was like are you okay and i was like yeah and then i touched it and i was like Ugh. and i'm actually getting shivers as i'm speaking oh, about it now me too <laughs> okay <laughs> no no but you're gonna be so i have but this painting thing. painting the pottery is super fun true i have this thing which is really weird it's not related but does anyone have a thing where when you see something, the first thing that happens is you imagine it in your mouth. <laughs> what? Yeah. What? what? Yeah. What is? What is that? Yeah. What do you mean? Like I don't it's know. Grossing, like it's grossing me out, but I hate like um, plant pots and like what is that called? Terra. Terracotta? <laughs> oh, isn't that a dessert? <laughs> no, that's pepper. What is uh, terracotta? <laughs> I think it might be a dessert. <laughs> I don't know. No, wait. Let's Google this. Okay. We can edit all of this. Tarragon? That's a spice. What do you mean? Like, do you mean a material? Yes. Yeah, look, no, terracotta. Oh, my God. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So the first thing that I imagine is chewing on it. Ew. With everything. What? I don't know. It's a really weird thing. Also, bricks. Can't look at them. (laughs) How do you survive? Sponges gross me out. I get sponges. But it's funny because we're we're recording in my living room, and literally there's like, Six plants pot. Plant no, but pots. they're not the ones that I don't like. That you're scared of. No, they're good. Okay. They're fine. Okay. Anyway, 
Okay, so it's interesting that you choose a pottery class for a date, but that I think that could be fun. I so think who's I, the masochist here? Yeah, exactly. Because that sounds exactly. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I saw too many movies. Maybe, but that's also something like a date where you do something is really fun. So because yeah. also you get to know someone in a really weird situation, yeah. and especially if it's something that neither of both has done before or done often. Or a painting class. That'd be painting fun. Painting class, yes. And I, but I wouldn't yeah. want to do a sport because I want to sit with them mm. and like talk. I get that. But actually, I have to say one of the most fun dates I've ever been on was with someone who took me to play badminton. Who? I'm not going to say his name. <laughs> but it was really, really fun. And we just went for a drink after or no oh, actually okay. later we cooked or something but it was oh. really fun but actually he knew that i was really sporty and i knew that he was really sporty and that we both also knew that we were really ambitious because okay. we were both getting so into the game and if either of us hadn't been ambitious it would have been really weird <laughs> but it was really fun see but that so it is depending on the person of course it is yeah okay mm. So we had another question too. Yeah, wait, I'm going to read it. That was really good. Um, how do you influence people effectively if they have historically been your mentor? For example, your dad or your mom. So what I immediately associate with this situation is something that I came across in the last years or still now. Also talking about like these fights and your family again and stuff. Where I feel like there comes a certain part in your life or a certain time in your life where you struggle with showing your family that you're not the kid anymore, but you're the, that you're actually an adult, mm -hmm. kind of stepping out of these roles that a family just automatically assigns to people. You know, like the small kid will always be the small kid and the dad will always be the dad, blah, blah, blah. And at some point, especially with kids, I feel like there is a time when you really have to voice yourself kind of and be like hey i'm not just your kid i'm also an adult yeah also the other way around is what i think freaked me out the most when i realized that my parents are just people mm. and they are completely normal human beings like on the side of being my parents and also the fact that basically anyone can become a parent it really changed my perception of these superheroes that I thought I'll never be as good as them and they'll always be better than me and I have to prove that I was not a mistake <laughs> Yeah, but I don't know. I always felt like I had something to live up to and I had to prove that I'm good enough to be in my family Yeah, or that I'm like them. And it's all such bullshit because anyone can be a parent. Yeah. Like, Th it doesn't make you some superhuman to have children. I mean, it's a huge accomplishment and it's very hard to raise kids. But just because you have them doesn't mean you did a great job also. doesn't mean that you were the perfect parent. Yeah, I also think like in regards to how to influence, um, I guess, for example, your parents. Um, 
I guess what is meant is maybe that you learn so much from your parents, but also you can teach your parents certain things. And for me, that's something mm, I feel like I consciously tried to do over the last years, but it just came more out of a frustration, especially with my dad, that I think about it, where um, I really started just telling him what I think about things that he does and how he behaves Mm -hmm. and kind of as if it were a friend or someone else. But as you said, for me also, there was a certain hesitation because your parents are such very often quite authoritative figures and you just grew up in a certain way and um, where you look up to them or something. But as you said, you, you you realize that they're just human. And then I was like, you know what? This is also just a person and he did this and this or he said that and that and I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to sit here. If this were someone else, I would tell them. And so over the last years, I've tried to do that. And it's definitely harder than with other people. Mm -hmm. And it also had the effect that my relationship with my parents, I think, was definitely more, had more ups and downs than before. Yeah. But I still think it's become much better because it's much more authentic and like real. And I feel, coming back to the topic of earlier, that they know me better. Yeah. Because I try to tell them um, when they, like, it's almost like constructive criticism. Yeah. Just as they tell me, or when I was little, that you cannot do this and that, and that's not okay, okay. Uh, okay, okay. <laughs> that's not okay. I try to tell them now as well how, how it makes me feel. And I think that's a very important part that you not only point the finger and are like, this is what you did that's wrong, but that you voice how it makes you feel. Like I often, like now on the family vacation, I had a fight and then I talked to my dad about it and I just talked to him about how this whole situation makes me feel and tried to make him understand that. And I think that's a very important part generally in communicating. Um, yeah, I completely agree and I don't think it's uh, something that's specific to parents I think just in general uh, we should all communicate in a way where you don't blame the other person because I think if you blame anybody it's not going to have a positive effect and I think it is really important to share with your parents how they make you feel and I think also there's nothing to disagree with there they can't yeah. say you know, you're wrong or you can't tell me how I should behave or there's nothing to even challenge because it's simply how they make you feel. And that's not something that is arguable. But I was just thinking also, for me, I think what really gave me kind of um, an upper hand was through studying, actually, because academics are so valued in my family I then could speak about what I studied and I could explain theories that I learned or concepts that I learned about psychoanalysis and I really started using them for the situations that were going on between me and my parents mm -hmm. and it would make them somehow accept it more because it's not something that I made up or it's not my opinion it's somehow considered academic or intellectual because I think my parents tend to intellectualize a lot 
Um, so it was so useful when I had these kind of theories and concepts that I could explain to, for example, my mother, who really enjoyed hearing about it. But then afterwards, I could tell her, you know, I kind of feel like this is something that happens between us or it's something that I've seen at home and it's somehow like a subtle way to give feedback or criticism because she almost thinks that I'm just telling her what I learned mm. but somehow it does send a message even though she she's obviously not or none of them are great things to hear but it has helped me maybe explain how I feel in a more understandable way because it's not so packed with my emotional state it's more put into words that can be discussed or understood well yeah so I really do like feel grateful for my studies for giving me almost a language to express what is going on but I think as cliche as it sounds but in most cases really an open communication or just um, striving for more open communication just helps a lot especially with your parents um, and just telling them how it makes you feel I mean it is a common joke that therapists are always like you know how does this make you feel but there is a reason for it being there and why we do it as therapists because disclosing your feelings and talking about them just has such a huge effect and i think you. yeah i think um from what i mean by my studies is more that families i feel like have certain metaphors and certain things that they share an interest in mm. and i think it's really helpful to talk through those things yeah healthy open communication yes and talking about things that are uncomfortable as well i think you you know your parents can take it no seriously i thought about this like a while ago yeah. where I have still people of my age and myself even sometimes where I think like, oh my God, I could never say this to my parents or this is so disrespectful or blah, blah, blah. This would make me ungrateful. But then I'm like, oh, they're people too and they can take it. And also, dude, we were all teenagers. Yeah. And I'm sure we were hell. Yeah. So if they survived that, yeah, I'm sure they're not going to be surprised by anything. True. Okay, so I think we're going to finish up for today. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Please send us more questions. We really love them. Yeah. And spread the word about the podcast. Tell your friends, your family, your parents. <laughs> Coworkers. Spoozies, a.k.a. people you're hooking up with. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you for, for your support and listening. Tune in next week. Bye. <laughs>